You know, if you're not calm in all areas of your life, it's difficult to lead someone else. It's difficult to contribute to someone else or some other cause if you have a lot of unsettling in yourself. What is up, People First Leaders? My name is Chris Lynn, and I am your advocate and host for the Leading People First podcast, where we are set to transform the workplace. Make sure you're subscribed so you can hear more from awesome leaders around the world on the effect that leadership has on the employee experience. It is February, which means we are celebrating and bringing awareness to a number of great causes. I first want to acknowledge Black History Month. There are a number of things that we can do around education, advocacy, and support for our communities. So be sure to find ways to go beyond just posting a simple article or putting something on your social media. As I've been saying, this is not a moment, it is a movement, and we are long overdue for justice and equality. February is also Heart Health Month, and this episode's story and guest shows why it is so important for us to listen to not only our employees, but ourselves. So let's get pumping and dive on in. My guest today is an incredible human being, and I cannot introduce her better than what Lexi Smith shared with me. Lexi said, I cannot think of another human being that better represents and embodies the concept of leading from the heart and leading by example than Julie. She is a visionary philanthropist, an artist, a fighter, an innovator, and a truly incredible human being. She wears her heart on her sleeve and in doing so, leaves a positive impact on everyone she comes in contact with, myself very much included. Julie is authentic, genuine, compassionate, and is already very much on her way to changing the world. So Lexi, thank you for the kind words on Julie, and welcome Julie Hableman. Wow, that's that's quite a, an introduction. Um, uh, hello, and thank you for having me. I'm so excited to do this. Yes, absolutely. Well, first question, I'm going to switch it up. Um, I usually ask a different question, but I want to ask this question to you to start off. What has inspired you in this last week? Um, I think just, this may sound corny, but just honestly being alive because uh, last week was the one year anniversary of uh, suffering a heart attack. And so that really shifted things for me and just from life's perspective. So um, I've thought a lot about that in the past week, but I think there's a lot of hope and optimism too in the past week. So um, yeah, there's a lot of things to be happy about, a lot of things to look forward to. Awesome. Well, um, do we say congratulations on a year? <laughs> like, have, like, what's the yeah. right? What's sure, the right? <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Just glad to be here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, very happy to have you. I'm so glad that um, you and I got connected. I have to give a quick shout out to Bailey Hancock and her collaboration coalition for yeah. getting us connected. Um, because without Bailey, she, uh, I would not have made a number of these connections and interviews. And Julie, I'm very excited to be able to talk to you about your story, your journey that you've really, I mean, have had a huge change, obviously, in the last year. Um, because of your heart attack. And why don't we just dive in to that real quick right away? Um, you know, you have experience in corporate marketing and sales, kind of a, it almost, 
not to diminish it, but it's almost like kind of a standard like corporate role. And then you went on to have a responsible resort wear brand called Noble Sands. And then, like you said, one year ago, you suffered from an acute heart attack called SCAD, spontaneous coronary artery dissection. Ooh, props to me for saying that. What? <laughs> yeah, great. What lessons have you learned in the last year? Um, I've learned a lot about um, resiliency, um, the strength that you have that you might not even realize um, just putting things into perspective, making you realize like what you, what's important, what's not important. Um, and just wanting to take all of the lessons that I've learned, um, personally, professionally, and just emotionally and, and share that with people, um, and hopefully to their benefit. Yeah. What, so I'm so curious if you had still been in your corporate job when you had your heart attack. Um, and now that you've gone through a year, what would you, what, if you were still in a corporate job today, what would you say to the leaders of your organization? Um, I think a lot of leadership comes from listening um, and leadership obviously comes from leading, but I think listening is such a huge component of that. Um, listening to their employees and helping them become mindful of things that are important and can affect their, not only their contributions to the organization, but just themselves. So to me, you know, we have to constantly be listening to our minds, listening to our bodies, to the environment that we're in. Um, basically trusting your intuition and um, being an advocate for, if you're the leader, for your employees, for your group, um, and, and being a good example too. Yeah. That listening aspect is something that, um, you know, I always here and I've even taught in a lot of leadership trainings, but it's usually like the first thing, one of the first things to go. Um, and it's, but it's so critical in this philosophy I have of leading people first, right? Is when you lead people first, you really do have to understand what's going on around your employees or those that you lead. So what does that phrase mean to you? I'm, I'm curious, what does it mean to you to lead people first? Um, to me, it, it, it means leading by example, you know, because I've been in situations in different work environments where the, the delegation gets <laughs> done um, and you find that the leader's not really leading, you know? And so to me, I, the people and the, the management that I've always respected the most were the people who, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk and got their hands dirty and wanted to learn from the ground up. And I, I, I've always seen that as being a really important quality in a leader. Um, you know, and that's just kind of how I think about things too. Like I, I wanna, I, I'm inherently inquisitive. So I wanna understand why, why, why. When I was a child, I was that kid 
<laughs> constantly asking why. Yeah. yeah, but why? So I like to understand the process of something from the ground up. It doesn't matter what it is. Just like in my business um, of Noble Sands, I have no background in the fashion industry. Um, I learned to sew when I was really young, but I came up with this concept and you know, I didn't really know anyone in the fashion industry. So I learned by doing, and I think by doing that, you can become a leader, not only for yourself, but those, those skills um, transcend into many different things. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, when it comes to learn by doing that approach um, and getting your hands dirty, learning, uh, leading by example, Again, it's not necessarily, you know, that's something that I want to clear up with, you know, anyone who's listening is leading by example doesn't necessarily mean that the manager has to know the ins and outs of every job. It's the ability, though, to actually show that you're willing to learn what your team is going through. Exactly. Right? It's what it's that curiosity that you show, Julie, and and what is it that you're not only what is it? what you're doing, but why are you doing it? And what are the issues and hangups that you're dealing with, right? Because when they understand that as a manager, they not only become empathetic to what their team is going through, but then they can also better problem solve and say, oh, these are the things that are happening on my team. What can I do to fix it? Right. Yeah, exactly. I think it, it, that is another way of, of going back to the listening part of it. Like, you know, you're reading what your team is feeling and understanding what's important to them, what they're going through. Empathy is a huge part in being a good leader, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Empathy is so big. I wish it was um, focused on more (laughs) for, uh, you know, as, as we grow up or as we grew up, um, speaking of empathy, I mean, it's, you know, going, you going through what you did this last year, there's a lot of organizations that do need to become more empathetic to the processes or the issues or, you know, health issues that their employees are going through. And I know that that's something that you're very passionate about and that you're a huge advocate for. Can, so can you share what you've been working on in this last year to advocate for, uh, for health? Sure. Um, and recently, um, in, in the past month or so, I've been doing some more research into that. And just talking about empathy makes me think of it. Um, I've been learning a lot about mindful self-compassion. And um, that's been a big part. I'm, I'm learning a lot about that still. But, but <clears throat> I think you really have to be okay in your own body, in your own soul, in your own mind um, before you can move beyond and do something greater for someone else. So, and that certainly speaks to being a leader in my mind. You know, if you're not calm in all areas of your life, it's difficult to lead someone else. It's difficult to contribute to someone else or some other cause if you have a lot of unsettling in yourself. And so experiencing my heart attack and the particular type of heart attack that I had, um, it's, it's a little bit 
different than than some in the fact that typically it happens fast and furious, like it comes out of nowhere. That's exactly what happened to me. And so um, not only did it happen quickly in a in a time um, in, in a time span, but also your body is is so completely in shock. And um, so it takes a little bit of time to like, you know, reconcile all of that. So um, yeah, I, I've been working a lot on that and trying to really understand that for myself, but also wanting to help other women and educate other women about women's heart health so that as many people as I can have an impact on do not ever have to experience what I did. <laughs> um, you know, because one of the biggest things that I learned is that, um, that heart-related conditions, heart disease, heart attacks, um, it, it, that's the number one cause of death in women, not only in the U.S., but globally. And I, I found that really shocking. Like, I don't know what I thought was the number one cause of death, I guess cancer, you know, and a lot of people just kind of default to that, but, um, it's, it is heart disease. And so, um, I've also learned that only half the people in this country know that stat, you know? And so what that tells us is a lot of things. Um, and one of which is there's a lot of uh, educating to do. And not only just, you know, the, the public at large, but I was reading an article recently um, that, let me find this, I wrote it down. Um, only 22% of primary care physicians and 42% of cardiologists say that they feel extremely well prepared to assess a woman's risk of heart disease. And to me, that is just, you know, mind boggling. Yeah. It's almost unacceptable. That's such a low number, right? And then when you couple that with the statistics around women being misdiagnosed or women having to wait longer for the proper treatment, Right. Um, mm -hmm. I think I saw a statistic from 2015 that said women on average wait an extra 10 months to properly get diagnosed. Right. Like that. And when it comes to something like heart attack, like that's a huge issue when it could be prevented. So there's a lot to unpack there. Let's stick with the medical side. Um, you know, what, what else do we need to know about women's heart health? Um, that one in five women will, will die from heart-related conditions. And just to put that into perspective, and certainly not to take away from any of the wonderful research and advances that have been made in breast cancer, but you know, a lot of times you, you, you hear a lot about that. So one in five women will die from heart-related condition. And I believe it's one in 30 will die from, from breast cancer. You know what I mean? So it just kind of shows you what a lot of research, um, and education can do, yeah. you know, and, um, I listened to, um, uh, 
uh, a female cardiologist uh, doing a TED talk recently, and she was saying that, you know, you don't, you, you may not know, you may not look around and say, oh, I know this person that's had um, a heart attack or a heart related disease. And one of the reasons why is because that person's not there anymore. You know, so that, that tells you, you know, basically what has happened, um, we're essentially about 40 years behind um, in research and the uh, assessment standards of heart health for women as we are for men. So, you know, when you, when you go in and if you are experiencing some kind of system, uh, uh, symptoms, um, then your the testing procedures or what they're looking for were designated for basically a middle-aged white man, you know, because all of those standards were established literally like 50 years ago, if not more. So, you know, women have different, um, different symptoms than men do. Um, and so that's part of what, what needs to happen. And, you know, of course the American Heart Association does a lot of work, but, um, I think that's why it's so important to me to really focus on the, just the women's part of it, because uh, it's not just women. Then when you break it down to um, the different racial and socioeconomic um, categories as well, um, within women, black women are 50% more likely to be affected than white women are. And within the, the category of black women, um, nearly half of all black women older than 20 will have some sort of heart condition. And, you know, I, I spoke with um, Tara Robinson, who is the founder of the Black Heart Association um, in Texas. And um, she shared with my, her, her experience and um, you know, she had three heart attacks in one week. And the first few times she went to the emergency room, she was told there was nothing wrong, you know? And she explained to me how my experience and her experience were very different, potentially because of the color of our skin. And that's just, it's, it's just wrong, you know? Well, that's, it, it's incredibly frustrating hearing that not only just firsthand, but also the, just hearing and reading about those statistics. And to take that back to, you know, for those of you who are listening f- to a business standpoint, you have to think about the systems that are put into place that have been designed in your business or in, again, in this case that we're talking about the health system, the, our, our healthcare system these biases and policies and um, procedures that have been put into place to diagnose, to source, to learn from. And, you know, had biases built into them. 
to you know and this is you know at the at the time when they were designed it's like it's not like it was done on purpose it was just they were only thinking about one or two populations and then when you think about that from a business standpoint from a leadership standpoint how many you know are are you closing off the 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 diagnosis or the situation or the problem from from other groups are you excluding anyone right so it's very important to really focus on who is this affecting? Are we missing anyone? And then redesigning the testing to encapsulate as many people, hopefully everyone that comes through, whether again, it's in business or in the medical field. Well, to me, you know, like in a, in a business setting, um, I, I just recently read an article about, um, you know, the difference between financial health and financial wellness. Um, because wellness is, is going to be attached to most everything we do going forward. There will be a wellness component to it. So the financial health is how much money we have. Financial wellness is the emotional and physical effects that, that money and our spending habits or how much we're getting paid or how much we're not getting paid have on us. And so to me, if I'm an, uh, you know, a business owner and I have, um, you know, like a, a, a large employee base, why not be talking about these things? Do a lunch and learn, do, I mean, especially now, you know, have, there's no excuse to add that wellness component, that health component and talk about these types of things. And then from the medical standpoint, um, you know, I'm, I'm working with the, the SCAD Alliance, which is the nonprofit that uh, one of two in the U.S. that um, raise funds specifically for SCAD. But um, what, what they're doing is trying to educate cardiologists, actually trying to educate physicians about this condition, you know, so from the, the, the medical side, to me, what makes sense, you know, women go every year for an annual exam um, to, to their gynecologist. Why not when, when everything is being done in this annual exam, why not add heart component to it? If it's the number one cause of death, you know, you have to have a mammogram every year at a certain age. If, if heart disease is the number one cause of death, why are we not having some sort of a heart check every year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have no answer for that. I would, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that question's not for me. It, you know, it's being put out into the universe, but um, yeah, that's something that we have to answer and we, we need to fight for. Right. Again, it's part of it comes down to awareness. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, you and I are talking is so we can get the message out there. We can, um, share this and educate others. So for those of you who are listening, just think of, you know, this is your call to action to really start um, becoming more aware of heart disease and the effect that it has on women, because it has a huge effect on our population. Um, and it's something that we really need to focus on and again, bring more awareness to. Well, one thing, like I said, one of the things that I've learned in the past year too is, is also how to be my own advocate, you know, because um, the, the initial um, cardiologist I was seeing 
wasn't really giving me the type of answers that I wanted. It, and it wasn't because I didn't want to hear what, what was being said. It was just, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to educate myself more. So I did. And so I um, was interested in sort of introducing an integrative approach to my heart health and, and cardiology. And so I found someone that did that. And I, I learned a lot more things, but here's another stat for you. Um, 71% of women almost never raise the issue of heart health, even when they think they might have a sense, a, a symptom because they assume that their doctor will. Hmm. And so that, I, that just kind of told me that I did, I did the right thing. And again, going back to listening, you, you have to trust yourself in, in, in what you feel is right. You know? Yeah. So I, I'm not trying to draw any like false equivalency here or, or anything like that, but uh, as you say, right, that 71% of women assume that their doctors will, sorry, did you say they won't bring something up because they assume their doctors will figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's so similar to the statistic. Again, this, these have no, like nothing to do with each other and they're nowhere even close, but it just, this is where my brain went is 60% of, or women, yeah, uh, women will not apply for a job if they don't meet all of the qualifications. Yeah, that's, that's the statistic. 60% of women will not apply for a job if they don't, do not meet every single one of the qualifications. The way, you know, women have this sense that they need to hit, you know, everything or all these bars, like we set these unrealistic markers and that's been ingrained into our culture. Like this dependency, this, you know, whatever you want to call it. And that's why it's so important for gender equality that we really need to fight for because these are, at you know, moving away from the job metaphor that I used or job, job application now moving back into the heart health issue. These are quite literally lives at stake, right? This is why gender equality is so important. It's not just a, you know, a pay thing. It's not just a job thing. It is a mentality and culture shift that we have to have to treat women and allow them to have the mindset that they are equal to the men in the environments that they're in. I mean, not just the environments that they are just equal. Right. But specifically like in this case, in the environment of the medical space, like that has a huge impact and a a negative impact. And the other thing that, you know, you, the statistic that you had shared with me, you know, around SCAD is, you know, that's something that organizations really need to think about is that there's a really big, there, there's a correlation between stress and SCAD. Absolutely. Right? And, um, it, and it occurs mostly in individuals, I think you said between 30 and 50. And that's a huge part of an, empo- an organization's employee population. Absolutely. So, so what are the, what, you know, what do organizations need to be cognizant of, or what do they need to do when it comes to the health and well-being of their employees thinking about, right, that, that population base? Well, I, I, I think just raising awareness of, of the effects, not, not just with heart health, but 
um, it's kind of indicative of all kinds of conditions. You know what I mean? Like, um, while there, there have been strong links between SCAD and, um, you know, extreme distress and um, emotional and hormonal things, um, you know, heart health is not the only thing. So I think it just kind of speaks to the inevitable, which is that employers really have to start paying more attention to that. And, and not just, you know, oh, here's a gym membership, or we have green juice in the break room. I mean, I, it really has to go beyond that, I think, into more in-depth awareness, you know, yeah. like, really how these things are affecting you, whether it's, you know, implementing meditation or breathing exercises or something like that, because those things then can lower your blood pressure or lower your stress level, you know, but I, I think, you know, it, it makes sense that they bring attention to the preventative things that, that can take place and then also educate them on the things of what could happen if, you know, if your stress gets too high, not to, you know, bring fear to anyone, but I just think it's good to know and, yeah. and be aware. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when, when organizations say, Hey, here's $50 here, it's a hundred dollars, a hundred, I've seen some organizations do $150 a month. Um, for gym memberships, you're quite literally just throwing money at it, throwing money at it, hoping it'll go away. Right. But like you look at the utilization numbers of someone who has a gym membership, those are pretty low. So are you putting your money as an organization in the right spaces, in the right places? Like you have exactly. to think about, you have, you have yeah. to think about that. Because, you know, it, it, it's kind of what, what works for, a particular person as well, because while a, a gym membership might be great for certain people, other people don't care about going to the gym. They want to go, you know, sit out in nature and do something that's healthy for them in that environment and not in a gym. So I think it requires the organization to really take a broad look at again, listening, what, <laughs> what their employees want, who they are, what's important to them, you know, and, and then go from there. I mean, I think studies have shown that in the end, when employers do that, it, it pays off in every way. Yeah. Again, you're, you're looking out for the you know, the well-being and health of your employees, not only does that pay dividends from a productivity and dollar standpoint, but you're also saving money down the line because you're taking care of your employees' physical health, which means that there's less costs down the line that you have to pay for from a medical insurance standpoint. Um, that is something that I think, again, companies don't usually think about. They don't think and for some, for some reason, they don't think that far down the line. They usually just think of like, well, what's the cost to me today, right? Um, and again, it goes back to listening to your employees. Like, what do they want? What do they need? Um, 
that's the theme or the moral of today's story <laughs> is listen. Like it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that uh, I, I kind of want to go back to your business because I think it's a it's something beautiful. Um, and Noble Sands, if I didn't misread this, I think I read this right, means it, or comes from holding life's moments in high regard. Yes. Yeah, I, I put a lot of thought into the name and um, I wanted to pay respect to my my family as well in that because um, I grew up on a farm next to a lake called Noble Lake and it's where my grandparents lived. It's where my parents still live. It's where I grew up. And um, and there's something noble in that in and of itself. Um, they all mean a lot to me. And um, just the thought of doing something that is purposeful and good and honorable. Um, and then the sands part of it, um, I, I've always thought about that because I've always loved the beach. and. And I've always thought about, you know, just the sands, the moments in time and, and being at the beach is relaxing. And um, so, yeah, I just kind of married those two. That's fantastic. I, I absolutely love it. Um, I mean, I'm not your ideal consumer. <laughs> <laughs> I bet uh, we can find a way for you, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, you know, to plug your, plug your product. I mean, what, there's over 15 ways that you can wear it, right? The, the wrap. So. I'm sure I yeah, wear yeah. It in some, so, some fashion. <laughs> I um, I I basically came up with the idea. I was on vacation in beautiful Sardinia one year, and um, probably the most relaxed I have ever been on a beach vacation in my life. Just sitting on the beach, looking at crystal clear water, and everyone around me seemed to have that feeling like it was just all Italian people just relaxed and looked fabulous. And, um, I had been looking for something to take on beach vacations with me that, that I could just wear to, to, to the beach or to a restaurant. And, um, but I didn't want just a, a, a scarf or a sarong, and so I came up with this idea and I literally found a piece of scrap fabric and draped it around myself, marked some holes, laid it on my dining room table, made some cuts. And that was my prototype unknowingly um, and had no intentions when I created it to make it a business. I just made it for myself and then um, I was living at the in Europe at the time, and then when I moved back to the states, I was going to the beach with friends a lot, and people kept making comments about it and said, "Where did you buy it? Where did you buy it? Where did you buy it?" And I thought, well, maybe I should try this. And um, yeah, so uh, when I moved to Southern California a few years back, um, I thought, what better place to try and do it? And so here we are. <laughs> That's so cool. I mean, literally just um, quite literally problem solving in the moment and then finding a demand for it. 
um, really shows not only just creativity, but your um, willingness to just kind of go for it, which I, which I absolutely love. And something that I, again, taking this back to the business side of things, like something I wish companies and leaders would allow their teams to do more, right? It's just like, play around, like just figure it out, like figure out something like, here's a problem, figure it out. Like, what do you want to, what do you want to solve for? And then go for it. And let's just dive in. You know, there's a, there's a lot of nobility and courage and just fun in that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been um, a huge learning experience. And as you can imagine, um, last year was really my first full year of focusing solely on Noble Sand. So obviously my January <laughs> started off um, with a couple health issues. <laughs> a little rough, just, and, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so then I was a little uncertain of how things would go. And then came COVID and then came no traveling. <laughs> So um, it's been tough for sure. I'm trying to hang on and am optimistic about some point this year. Um, you know, I was doing a campaign last last spring of uh, vacationing in place. <laughs> you can always use your strand wrap around your pool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I even did a, a video of how you can style it for Zoom meetings because why not? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> you should. Uh, you could do a whole series on on social media, like different ways to wear them or different situations to wear them for different types of meetings or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, fantastic. Uh, as we wrap up, I would like to ask, what is the impact that you are looking to have on those that you interact with? The impact I want to have. Um, I hope to be inspirational. I hope to be compassionate. Uh, I hope to serve a purpose um, in whatever way I can help them. And yeah, just do good overall. Awesome. Well, I, I definitely think you are. Um, I reached out to one more person, uh, Catherine Leon, who said, Julie inspires me as someone who puts her whole heart into everything she does. Her generous and creative spirit encourages me to do more and climb higher. And I truly appreciate her support of SCAD Alliance. So you're definitely making that impact and that inspirational impact that I think you're looking to have. So, Wow, I'm going to have to keep those. <laughs> that's so nice thank you of course well uh real quick what would you like the listeners to do after they finish listening to this this episode well so next um well in february uh it is considered heart month so i am working with the scout alliance actually to um, help raise awareness and funds. Um, we've got, in addition to Noble Sands, which we give a portion of all of our sales back to um, Women's Heart Health Research, um, for the month of February, there are six other brands from food items to fashion items to jewelry 
that are gonna be donating a portion of their sales to the SCAD Alliance as well. So if you go to um, noblesands.com or the scadalliance.org, um, there'll be information and um, yeah, you can get some really cool stuff and do good at the same time. Awesome. And look good doing it. That's right. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Well, Julie, thank you again so much for coming on the podcast. It was great talking to you and learning more about uh, women's heart health. And again, the application that we really need to think about when it comes to leading people first. So thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. It was an honor. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Leading People First podcast on Heart Health Month. I hope this conversation with Julie has brought more awareness to heart health. So make sure you get your heart checked at your next appointment. Check out all of the resources through SCAD and be sure to connect with Julie. All of her information is down below in the show notes. Again, thank you for listening with heart. And if you know someone who needs to hear Julie's story, share this episode with them and hit subscribe. Let's keep this conversation going by telling me what you learned or loved from this episode on LinkedIn or Instagram. Thank you again for tuning in. Keep leading people first and stay awesome.